you want to hear a Max joke? Absolutely. Quiet, please. So, uh, why don't monsters eat ghosts? Why? Because they taste like sheet. In <laughs> four, three, two. Terrible Company presents a truly dreadful podcast. Welcome to Nonsense, episode number three. I'm Jeff Parker. And I'm CJ Little. This is our take on the week's business, tech, and entertainment headlines. This time, we'll look at what's up with AirFlight, give a primer on Sand Bankman Freed and FTX, for those who haven't been following along, take a deeper look at AI and ChatGPT, muse about the ever-rising price of eggs and inflation, and talk about things that are hard to put together. But first, our headlines. California businesses face catastrophic mud, mold, and destruction. Melrose was underwater, literally underwater. The street. Yeah. The, street. The, the pier that holds... Well, the video was going around. Everybody was passing that video. Uh, was it on TikTok? I, I have no idea. It was on one of the social media. So I got MySpace. Probably Did Tom my, share it? Probably MySpace. Tom shared it, I'm almost me? positive it was on MySpace. <laughs> but the point is that like water got into their shop. All those mom and pop shops, you hope they have insurance. And you know, there's a lot of mold and mildew and things in the, in the carpet. I'll tell you, now that those uh, restaurants are all beachfront, those prices are going to go up 20%. That's nice. Uh, apparently, the pier that holds the Wharf House yes. uh, restaurant in Santa Cruz is missing its middle. Uh, right. They have no way to get to it. So how do you get to it? A boat. I feel like it's now the most, like, forget about French Laundry. It's the most exclusive restaurant <laughs> in NorCal. Because doesn't the guy who owns it, he's like 100? He's an 85 or something. Uh, I don't know. And now he's got to decide exactly what And there's he, no way what he does next. building that thing anytime soon. Well, I don't think he owns the pier. I think yeah. the uh, the city owns the pier, or or someone. Um, I'm hoping his rent is is reduced. Yes, I hope. Because I think that was part of the part of you the deal was that you, you could access. get to the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. I think that no, was right. part of the original deal that you had to be able to get to it. I think their counter will be what about just doing takeout? <laughs> Swedish mining company LKAB, also known as LCAB, I don't know if that's true or not, finds the largest rare earth deposit in Europe. It could help cut dependencies on China. So rare earth minerals play a key role in generating clean energy and right. producing electric vehicles and right. consumer electronics. So they've identified, uh, this, this LCAB folks, have identified over 1 million tons of rare earth oxides in northern Sweden. That will be a massive change in the world. Absolutely. But I'm, I'm also pretty sure, I'm not positive, I'm pretty sure, I'm no expert, that this LCAB is also a desk you can get from Ikea. That's the flarm. It's the flarm. Yeah. Now, this won't come online because Sweden has a lot of regulations, environmental regu regulations. This won't actually make any effect or change in, for another 15 years. But when it does come online, it will be a, a massive, a real game changer. Tesla's reduced its prices by up to 20%. You'd think everyone would be overjoyed by that. Not the people that just got their car. Yeah, they were a little, uh, little shaken. Yeah. Congratulations. The brand new version of your car, if you'd bought it one day later, yeah. would cost you 20% less. You need like a gradient going forwards and backwards on this, right? Boy, like, you couldn't have done it worse than this. Yeah, I mean, you, you would actually get probably less people upset had you increased prices by 20%. But he has no choice because there's so many new electric cars coming out. He has to lower prices. Yeah. Well, and my understanding was people were in line to get Teslas to get them and then immediately flip them for 15 grand because people didn't want to wait in line. Yeah. So you'd have a reservation. I've got a small number of people. But when that when that market disappeared, I'm guessing a lot of people now aren't carrying on their reservations. How late into the process can you drop your Tesla reservation? Can you un, drop it the un, day before? Uh, no. At some point, they clear the inventory. Like they tell you, okay, Jeff, you you ordered a Model Y. You have to pick your features, your whatever, your your interior type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think at that point, it gets harder to drop. Tim Cook maybe canceled his order. Yes. Because he took a pay cut. 
He's going to take a pay cut in 2023. Ramen noodles. 40% after investors returned uh, sour, turned sour on his annual compensation package that reached nearly $100 million in 2022. Yeah, so I'm I'm grumpy about this. How come you, well, what, what bothers you about this? Because he, so Tim took over from arguably one of the most unique uh, CEOs that took a business that was basically on death door and brought it back oh. to one of the most profitable businesses in the world. It was within probably 90 days of insolvency. He had big shoes to fill. I think he's more than exceeded that. Company's now worth a couple I, trillion dollars. I don't know dollars. on the creative side if he's if he's exceeded, but he's certainly on the management side. I mean, it's hard to churn out new features year over year. What's the thing and on... And somehow they keep doing it. They just keep doing it. What's the thing... But Android does it too. What's the thing on that comes from Apple that is that is really arguably Tim Cook's? There's one, thing just, you, there's one thing you can point out that's been a massive success. The watch? No, not the watch. No. Those ear pods. Uh, oh, the AirPods. The ear pods. Yeah. Those are his? That happened on his watch. But I think just keeping that system going, like literally every iPhone I've owned for the past 10 years, I'm like, this is the best one I've ever had. Well, it of course, of course, you're not going backwards. Oh, I, no. I don't think about they can't get better. I think you're better all the time. What more does it need? I mean, I just want more battery life. That's the only thing I care. I want a phone I don't have to charge but once a week. I want to push a button and have my news stories not so I can read them. I want them to come up in holographic form so I can actually experience them. We should build an Anderson Cooper chatbot and oh. just ask him, hey, Andy, what's going on with Tesla? Then he just tells you. Well, AI is going to be able to do that. But my point shortly. is- Shortly. We're going to talk about AI in a second, but- but, you know, the, the days of going to Google and, and searching on mm, yeah. what's going on with yeah. Tesla and getting 9 million answers that you don't know which one's the truth or not, sure. AI sorts out and just tells you the answer. Yeah, kind of. Whether it's telling you the truth or a complete falsehood, it tells it with the same confidence it as if it's the truth. It's, all, it, 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 it's it, indistinguishable from the it truth. It has all the confidence of an 18-year-old with a fake ID. <laughs> exactly. It basically just shows up. <laughs> it's like, nope, 100%, this is the case. But going back to Tim Cook. Yeah. This was a really hard job that I, I think you should be praised the, for. The it, company was up and running by the time Tim Cook took, took, took it over. It was not the same company Steve Jobs rescued. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. But I mean, that's... I'm, I'm not... I'm not... I think Tim Cook is one of, arguably one of the best CEOs of our time. I didn't expect going into this. I didn't really know who he was. No one knew. But he's done a great job. It's a multi-trillion dollar company. They haven't... They really had nothing that's fallen down. He's facing a major challenge right now. He's got to diversify his production out of China. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, and Foxconn, get away from Foxconn, yeah. I presume. But why are we paying him less money? Well, I'm not, but. It's like us yelling at Howard Schultz for taking an extra free cup of coffee. Like, <laughs> why are you doing does this? Howard, does Howard sip away the profits? I, I, I think that's what they think. Like, well, I saw him take two cups of coffee yesterday. Sure. Uh, we talked about the Mega Millions lottery, the 1.35 billion Mega Millions lottery. A guy won it. Yeah, small town, what, in Maine, right? In Maine, Bordering so, uh, New Hampshire. There's no way this guy's going to not be able to have everybody know. Like, just look at all your neighbors. He's got to keep his job. He's got to stay in the same car. He's got to stay in the same house. But, like, how do you get out of it? Because, like, in L.A., you could win. You could probably kind of disappear. No way in small town Maine. Oh, no. What did you say the other day? His his gold Bugatti? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, I've always had that. Yeah, that's not I new. got that on Turo. It's 200 bucks a day. <laughs> I'm just testing it out. In Boston, scientists have found a way to reverse aging in lab mice. Which I'm pretty sure the lab mice don't appreciate. They don't want their lives longer? No, you're a lab mouse. <laughs> I don't think what you want is like, I'd like more testing done on me, please. Sure. But I hope uh, it makes the jump to humans because that would be really cool. How do you think this is going to work in humans? Uh, what if it's like a pill that you take, and from the moment you take the pill, you immediately start going backwards? You're Benjamin Button. You're Benjamin Button. So you got to pick one to take the pill. You can't wait too long because then you die and you don't get to take right. the pill. This was a cool headline. U.S. cancer death rate has fallen 33% since 1991. This is amazing. Uh, let's talk about air flight. Why don't you hit the button and we'll, uh, we'll move on. Hit the button. Your first segment. 
So as you, uh, I believe, already know, I'm a bit of a aviation. I dork. do know. Yes. Yeah. Pretty obvious when I'm pulling up flight aware and looking at planes that are overhead. That was pretty cool. It is cool. So I want to talk a bit about air travel over the past couple of weeks. Uh, it appears that old systems are being pushed to the limit and are failing. And, really? I uh, thought everything was working flawlessly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, really, I didn't realize there was a problem. You've been under a rock. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, the rate of this happening seems to be increasing, right? So we had, what, Christmas time, Southwest canceled thousands of flights. Thousands of flights. They had- There were literally like every day there was thousands yeah. of flights canceled. And at, at one point, I believe 90% uh, of the country's flights cancellations were Southwest at one point, which is terrible. Wow. Um, and I think the question has been- what, uh, you know, Southwest Hall is this point-to-point model where you don't have a hub and spoke like right. you do with a United or a Delta or an American. And is that, um, is that model dead? And personally- It's, it's certainly challenged. It's definitely challenged, but now, you know, look- The no problem mo- is if you have a problem, you have a domino effect of problems. Absolutely. Yep. Catastrophic failure, cascades right. all the way down. Uh, but look, understand my bias. I am a Southwest zealot. Yes. I'm an absolute fan. I've been- I've heard you have status. Well, I used to make companion pass by March or so. Okay. And this is the first year in probably 15 years that I actually have no status on Southwest. Oh, wow. Which is good, terrible. Good for you. Because I, <laughs> I just haven't been on a plane. Yeah. So to all our fine friends in Dallas a- As I've told you many times, you can have status on Southwest. Southwest. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> just keep that to yourself. In the land of the blind. <laughs> um. I get a bigger bag of peanuts than you. <laughs> Good for you. But um, so look, I'm a big fan of their model and the, the mainly because I'm an efficiency point to dork point, as well. Point, model? point to point. Okay. Yes. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't want to have to fly when I'm going from here to, you know, uh, whatever, Michigan. I don't have to fly through O'Hare for two reasons. One, it's an extra stop. Yeah. Two, it's O'Hare. Yeah. Have you been to O'Hare? I yeah, actually, actually, I like O'Hare, but I fly in through United and the United Terminal is oh, beautiful. Yeah, but then you got to like, you got to like run like a legitimate marathon to get to the other terminal because you come into E and you're going out of B and it's like eight nautical miles. So look, my thought is as a technologist, I believe that this point to point model, yeah, when you have cascading failures, is probably two or three orders of magnitude harder to get back online because in a hub and spoke model, you can just do this sort of control alt delete. And effectively return everything back because your base. spare crews are all in one yeah, location, exactly. and your, your spare planes and all the rest of it isn't even as not, opposed not, to not that Southwest. anyone actually has spa- spare planes, but all your spare stuff is 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 in one location. To make point to point work, you literally would have to have spare crews for every single flight, which you, which you can't do. So sort of you my can't do it. my view on this is what's acceptable. If they have an outage like this once a year, it's terrible. But like. I'm kind of okay with that for all the efficiency. You're okay with you all get. the people not getting to see their relatives I, at Christmas I, and all. I mean, that's look. I know it's terrible. It doesn't happen. I mean, that honestly, often. if I were a customer and and uh, which I'm not, if I were a regular customer, I would. And that happened to me once. I would never fly Southwest again. I get that, and because I want to get to where I'm going. But for the guy like me that would be flying from point A to point B to point C every week, I'd rather take the efficiency for 51 weeks out of the year and run the risk of getting screwed one week out of the year. I think everybody should be able to pick, and you certainly can pick. But I've found that I certainly, the- I certainly would not fly Southwest uh, around the holidays if I wanted to get someplace sure. that where I was having to use the point-to-point system. Yeah, I mean, it's the same argument of like pushing manufacturing back into the U.S. Yes, great idea. Right? Do you want to pay four X what you're paying? No, of course, of course. So that's that's what's going to happen. But in manufacturing, I don't have, I don't have necessarily the delays that i have in aviation in aviation i'm sitting at the yep. airport i want to go somewhere and i totally. can't 
In manufacturing, if my iPhone is, you know, a couple weeks late, well, I'm still using the old one. <laughs> Who cares? That's <laughs> true. No, I'm with you. My my only argument here is I don't think point to point is dead. I think it's a very usable option. We can make it better. But then we basically grounded all air traffic, which I believe is the first time we've grounded all air traffic since, since 9-11, yeah. right? Which is nuts. And that was and, because- And not of, enough air traffic that got to be grounded in Gander. In Gander? Have you seen the show Come From Away? No. Oh, you're in for the most delightful two hours of your really? life. Yeah. Look on your Apple TV plus, whatever that What's channel called? is called. Come, Come From Away. Come From Away. It's about the planes that got stopped in Gander. Oh, wow. I'm not going to tell you the story. I won't tell you that. You watch it. Oh, that's during 9-11. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Gander used to be the last stop if you were going to take a transatlantic flight where all the flights had to stop to Fuel. refuel. Yep. Yeah. Since now they all have the range, they don't need to stop at Gander. Gander has this enormous airport that has, uses. that has not yet been torn yeah, down. Yeah. And I think they were actually going to you know, get rid of it and use the land for something else. They didn't. And so 9-11... All of these planes descended there. on wow. Gander, which had the, the room. Because the skies in the US were closed, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, this tiny little town was more than doubled in size from all of the people who were on those planes. Mm -hmm. and, and the people, the locals, had to take care of those people, and the stories are incredible. Wow. That's really cool. Comfortable way. Where is Gander? Well, it's on the easternmost point of Newfoundland. Oh, of course. Yeah. So it's a bunch of Newfies. 100%. Great people. Yeah. Okay. So- uh, what happened this past week was the notice to air missions system failed. Yes. And the FAA's text on this, uh, they basically blamed two independent contractors for, quote, corrupting a file that was live in production. Right. And uh, so digging deeper, they said it was a database file. They switched to their backup systems. The backup systems pointed to the same database file. and Same corrupted failed. file. It was corrupted yeah. on the backup. So great backup system, guys. Yeah. That clearly worked really well. What, what was most fascinating to me about this and they bitched about the guy the contractor's not following procedure but like as any technologist will tell you playing around in production is like walking oh, a tightrope sure. over the grand canyon sure sometimes like you, you are, have, sometimes you have no choice sometimes you have no choice i don't think this was the particular case where they had no choice but yeah that just that sounds like a permissions problem once again i'm going to say redundancy yes. yes why is there just one system I and mean, for a while when the system first went down they were literally just using phones to talk to the pilots. And then eventually wow. that got so overwhelmed that they couldn't even do that. Well, I had a uh, you know, week or two before this. Um, it was right around New Year's before this, this NOTAM system went down. I had a friend flying out of Miami. The Miami regional air traffic control system was down. So they required pilots to keep 40 miles between planes. What? Yeah, After well, I was going to say, again, again, how come there's not a redundancy to the system? Why well, that one to me is easier to understand. That's really easy to have redundancy on that. Have two completely different systems and an A and a B and, you know, whatever. So my hunch is there's a lot of red tape around that. And a uh, quick little side we story. We do it like the gas crisis in the 70s. If your license plate ends in an odd number, <laughs> you're on the A system. If sure. It ends on a, okay. So I toured um, here in uh, Los Angeles uh, several years ago. I toured uh, the LA Metro's Rock Facility, which is the Rail Operations Center down in Watts, yeah. California. Really cool place. This is like their sort of traffic control for all of the rail systems in LA. And uh, I think it was their CTO that gave me the tour at the time. And we were going through their little data center below that that has all their, their systems. Yeah. And he was a nice guy. And I said, let's play a game. Because each system, each control system for each line is separate. And I said, you don't tell me what line they are. I'm going to guess based on the age of the equipment. Because oh, yeah, sure, sure. And I, and I nailed it 100%. Of course. Like you get to the red line and it was this stuff from like the late 80s, early 90s. Right. 
Right. By, by the way, I love the red line. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's uh, convenient for you. Go into any other any other major metropolis that has a, a subway system, and and the red line is like our, what our oldest. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Compared to any other <laughs> train system in any other major metropolis, the red it, system is absolutely well. It does. Lovely. It is missing that that delightful squeal that you get on the BART when you're going from yes. SFO up into the city, <laughs> and it's going around that big bend. Right. And it just, By the way, that's not even a particularly early one. Do you know why it squeals? No. So the apparently this is so dorky. Apparently the axles on those things don't have any limited slip function in them no at differential. all. No differential. No differential. So the outside and the inside spin at the exact same speed, a hundred percent of the time. But you can fix the cars. They could get new. You cars. would think it's been thirty years of that thing squealing like crazy. So when it goes around that bend, how many, how many years do you have to get of life? Do you have to get out of the cars? I, I, I don't know. They've already replaced them though. Multiple times. They've just left that. I mean, maybe it was budgeted. Buying cheap ones. So anyway, after the FAA system went down, we saw the same thing happen in Canada. Nav Canada says they don't know why the outage happened, but it's definitely not a cyber attack. Right. They were down for about right. three two, hours. Two, out of, two outages within 24 hours each other. It sure. certainly wasn't a cyber attack. Those we know that related. for sure. Must have been an accident. Yeah. More interesting, but more dark. There was uh, earlier this this past weekend, there was a Yeti Airlines crash in Nepal. So 72 people died, the entire plane and crew, 68 passengers, four crew Yeah. Um, on this ATR-72 plane operated by, by, uh, by Yeti. Uh, it's the third deadliest crash in Nepal's history. What, was, what, what made this super unique, though, is to my knowledge, it is the first and only uh, passenger airplane crash where there was a live stream from inside that's the wild, cabin, which is pretty wild. So one of the How horrible, one of the passengers in the plane was live streaming. It was just this guy just excited to be going on a trip and he was live streaming on the landing. And it is absolutely incredible. It's a guy who's flown a lot. It was incredible to see how quickly it went from everything's fine to everything's over. And oh, well, was, you see the video from the outside and it, and you can see the same thing. It's I'm yeah. sure it's much more dramatic inside. It's it. it Yeah. I mean, it, the end is just an end. It's not. You literally hear the turbine spin down. You see some flames. You hear nothing. There's no, oh. there's no screaming. It's it's if you're if you fly a lot, I'd actually recommend you watch it, not for shock value, but just to sort of see what it. I have looks no interest like. in seeing that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, something you can't unsee. It's. I'll be curious to see what the outcome of that uh, investigation is. It's a brand new airport. It opened just at the start of the year, so there could have been some issues with guys not being familiar with final approach or who knows. Right. But, Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I go back to what, to what we were saying earlier, and this is my solution to all of these airline problems. If you go to Europe and uh, want to go from point A to point B, take a uh, train. The trains are fantastic. Trains are great. It's amazing we don't have better rail in this country. I, I really like the idea of the Hyperloop. It never felt feasible to be able to maintain a vacuum that long. It was always nonsense. He, I don't literally, know. he literally proposed it to try to get the high speed rail in California to shut down, which and, it and, should shut and down. And it worked. Because no one's ever going to take it, ever. Why? It wasn't fast enough. Like here to San Francisco in three and a half hours. You know, the, hours? do you know the deep dark secret of the high speed rail in in California? No, it wasn't for really passenger use. Oh, it was for it was Hoctus for passenger use. But the truth was, it was for freight. Ah, okay. Well, you I guess can that kind of makes sense. Yeah, you can take oil products from the Southland up to the North very Faster. very quickly. You can take produce and things from the North to the South. South. That would have been a gold mine. Really? Yeah. Huh. And is it dead? It's dead. As far as I know, it's dead. Kind of like this segment. Hit the mm -hmm. button.
Have you been following the Sam Bankman-Fried story, unlike most of my friends outside of finance? I have. Are you telling me most of your friends aren't following SBF? Isn't it crazy? I mean, that's crazy. I, but more, more, the reason I even bring this up is because we mentioned it the other day we did. On, on on the podcast. We did. As I'm as we're blowing through, just blowing through the Sam Bankman-Fried reference, I realize. There's probably a lot of people who could use some sort of primer, some sort of TikTok totally. of what this was, because this story is going to come up in the next nine months before the trial. This story is going to probably come up a lot in the world of both technology and finance. Sure. So I thought we would just uh, do kind of a whirlwind recap. Yeah. Yeah. 2017, 26-year-old Sam Bankman-Fried, or SBF, started a cryptocurrency exchange called FTX. It grew quickly, or at least it appeared to. You may have seen their Super Bowl commercial starring Larry David. Yeah, I don't think so. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. Or their branding on the Miami Heat's arena or Mercedes Formula One race car. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. They were in big places. They really looked like they were. They were on uh, the umpires in MLB. Didn't, didn't the umps wear FTX badges or I, patches? I didn't, I didn't know that. I think they did. Wow. Because I remember my dad asking me one day, he's like, what's this FTX thing? And I was like, why, what made what you ask sure. me that? And he's like, the umpires are wearing it. And I was like, no way that that's got to be something different. No way that's FTX. And it was FTX. Um, their headquarters was in Bahamas. Where all good, legitimate businesses- You knew that was not going to be a problem, their headquarters, right? yeah, 100%. And it became a web of more than 100 different companies. It was the third largest crypto exchange in the world behind Binance and Coinbase Exchange. FTX was once worth $32 billion. And amazingly fast, how it, how it went from start of company to being worth $32 billion, just at a, at a whirlwind speed. To BK. Uh, in 2001, SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, was on the cover of Forbes magazine, coming in at number 32 on the Forbes 400 list of richest people. In that issue, Forbes said, this is now the third Forbes cover story to feature a crypto entrepreneur and speaks to the faith, belief, and resources that the publication is putting behind this growing industry. Whoopsie. That probably is not going to age as well as they thought it was going to. Sequoia Capital, hardly a newcomer to venture capital, invested $213 million in wow. FTX. Two years earlier, Sam Bankman-Fried had started another company called Alameda Research, which was a hedge fund. It was run by his on-and-off girlfriend. Yep. SBF ordered Gary Wang, the co-founder of FTX, to create a secret backdoor that allowed Alameda Research to borrow up to $65 billion of FTX's client money without their permission. Oops. FTX created its own crypto token called FTT. Shock and surprise, Alameda's largest asset investment quickly became its FTTs. Now... I got to stop here and do a quick aside so that this will make sense in a second. In 2022, 40% of all NTF trades were wash trades. What in the heck is a wash trade? I buy an item for you for a price. You buy it back for me at a higher price. We repeat this cycle a few times and it appears as if the price is going up and up on that asset. Now we do that with one or two or three little items that we have in our collection while we have millions of those items in our pockets and it looks like the value of all wow, of those look, items. Yeah, wow, look how valuable some, those are. Yes. Yeah. And so it it's it's your yep. you're creating a perpetual motion machine yep. of 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 value. It only works with illiquid assets. Yep. It's done all the time in in with fine art dealers. They do it. Yep. They uh I witnessed uh, this with my art startup. I watch guys do this. Yeah, private yeah. equity does it. It happens out there. Both private equity and fine art and others are at least slowed by the physical assets they appear to be trading. NFTs and cryptocurrencies have no such limitations. Turns out you can make them up. Yeah. So, Weird. So that's the end of the side. Back to the story. Yeah. Enter Michigan psychiatrist James Block, MD, PhD, who investigates financial crimes 
as a hobby. <laughs> I love this dude. Isn't that amazing? He must be so much fun at parties. <laughs> well, could you okay, imagine? But but still, can we it, get him on the show? Can he be our first guest? The slew thing you can do yeah. over the internet yeah, yeah, yeah. is really kind yeah. of mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, he got his hands on the now infamous one page unaudited balance sheet that purported to show the assets and liabilities of Alameda Research. By the way, all of their financials were were unaudited. So when Sequoia Capital now claims that they were misled, uh, they knew the statements were always unaudited. I'm listener. I'm shaking my head because I'm just in such disbelief with a, when you said one page balance sheet. Right, like, right. And of course, Block didn't know. If I it, had if a it paper out when I was seven, and it had a longer balance sheet than that. Sure, sure. But anyway, he looked at the at the balance sheet and realized that if it's if it was indeed accurate, then Alameda and FTX were sandcastles that would soon undoubtedly collapse. Yeah. Uh, on November fourth, Block wrote a Substack post asking the provocative and at the same time shocking question. Is Alameda Research insolvent? After studying SBF's simple balance sheet, Block concluded that Alameda's largest asset was its collection of FTT tokens issued by FTX. And as I'm sure you're guessing from the aside earlier, they were highly liquid, creating the illusion of a high price. Mm-hmm. Changpeng Zhao, CZ as he's known, is the founder of Binance, the largest crypto exchange in the world. CZ hit the like button on Block's Is Alameda Research insolvent Substack post. Oh, I didn't know this. He just hit like. Oh, I didn't know right? this. You can tell who likes a post. Sure, sure, right? sure. So then CZ, who put money into the FTX business and then swapped that uh, investment, the equity investment for FTT coins, tweeted that he was dumping his FTT coins, roughly totaling $580 million. Yep. That began the run on the bank at FTX and Alameda. Yep. That was the beginning of the end. There were $60 billion of withdrawals in just two days. Wow. The FTT coin lost 80% of its value. Alameda had no way to repay its loans from FTX since its main asset was now devalued FTT coins. Yep. Three days after James Block's post, Dr. James Block, the, the internet sleuth, the yeah. hobbyist, yeah. FTX went down. Wow. $10 billion are still missing. Yeah. On November 8th, uh, 2022, SBF's personal financial, personal net worth plummeted 94% in one day uh, to around $991 million, kicking him off Forbes' billionaire list it was the largest one day drop of personal wealth in history that's amazing sam bankman fried's net worth went from 26 billion to zero he spoke out uh, for the first time since his arrest uh he invited teddy schleifter from puck over to his parents house in palo alto where sbf is under house arrest did you read the article i did it's amazing it's amazing that's a good article uh michael lewis author of liars poker and moneyball has been following sbf around for a while uh, but we're unlikely to see the book that that reporting produces for years because those yeah. projects take time. In the Schlafner interview, SBF talks about distributing somewhere between 200 million and 300 million to various charitable and political causes. Now, however, he sits stir crazy all day eating vegan burgers delivered to his home, playing video games, voraciously consuming Twitter. His trial is scheduled for October where he faces eight criminal counts, including wire fraud and money laundering conspiracy. 30-year-old Sam Bankman-Fried could be sentenced to up to 115 years in prison. We should say he maintains his innocence. I mean, after the sort of story came out on Theranos. Yeah, Theranos. It was, you know, so much gold-plated venture went into that. And I was like, how did you miss all of the all of the indicators, right? Like, no due diligence. None of this was done. I was like, well, my buddy Jeff wrote a check, so it must be good. So right. I'll write a check. Right. And I thought, okay, well, this is a wake-up call. They're not going to make this mistake again. Oh, it then, happens again and again and again. It's like lather, rinse, repeat. And, and then it's, get, it's incredible. WeWork. Have you seen WeWork yes, offices? They still we exist. They still have the talk branding. about that. Yeah. 
absolutely nuts to how this has all transpired. And I feel like we're, we don't even know 10% of it yet. Well, certainly Sam Bankman Fried, we've got a lot of questions. I, I, and I'm the first to admit, I'm not an expert on this story. There are so many things we don't, we still do not know. Yeah. I know that back in November, Sequoia Capital wrote their investment down to zero. So they obviously don't think it's coming back. No. Binance is number one, Coinbase is number two. But if you look at it, the, the number of, uh, uh, the, the volume of business that Binance does, it's something like $16 billion a day. It's a huge drop before you get down to Coinbase, which is around $2 billion a day. Yeah. Interesting. The whole thing is, is small, but it's still, you know, when you're taking money from investors, 115 years that he potentially faces in, in prison. And I'll tell you Where? why. You can rape and murder in this country, but we really get upset when you take money from rich people. Yes. Do not take money from the rich people. I presume his personal net worth went to basically zero. It has. Where did his bond money come from? It's like a quarter of a billion dollars bond. Yeah. You know, I'm sure he Friends? had other, well, or he had other cryptocurrency investments or who knows what, you know I mean? They huh. found like five, they found $5 billion in uh, cryptocurrency that was not the silly FTT token. Just hanging out? That they were able to, yeah, that they were able to so liquidate. Crazy. All right, I'm gonna hit the button. Go. It's all AI these days. So in the slightly revised words of Erwin M. Fletcher, my dear friend, it's all AI these days. I feel like we need to talk about this every week or two. So I'm going to revisit ChatGPT, but first, and because, more importantly- Because boy, is it going to be something to talk about every week or two. Have you seen all the competitors? To, yes. Oh, to? Of course. Wow. But wait a minute. How do you not Did know I who? just Was I just not paying attention? Yes. And all this stuff just exploded? Yeah, it's but crazy. now I'm seeing it everywhere. It's crazy. Wait till you get some of the points I want to bring up today. Yeah, yeah. Here's something I think is really funny about ChatGPT. As a, you know, six, five with the Afro implementation of a great line. Um, I still routinely once a month will tell somebody to put my drink on the underhills. Sure. <laughs> about one in five do they get it, but man, is it a great joke? Of course. Uh, okay. Here's the thing about uh, chat GPT as an implementation of, of AI or GPT. It lies a lot. Oh, but the nice thing is it's bold face. Oh my so God. You can't tell when like it's Like I lying. said earlier. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, a, it's like a kid with a fake it's ID. It's the best it's so liar good. ever. So, um, I don't want to pronounce this guy's last name. Charles Seif wrote okay. in a slate piece, uh, that he, he asked it to write his obituary, That's which awesome. I think is hysterical. Uh, of course it got a lot wrong. Namely, uh, Charlie's not dead yet. Yeah. Um, but when he asked it to plead, to quote, please indicate whether the information came from an external source. And if none was found, so indicate. It started lying its head off. <laughs> so it made up URLs to the New York Times. It basically cited, I swear, it basically cited an obituary in the New York Times that didn't exist. It made up a URL, wow. right? And then it, it like cited courses that, that, that Charlie taught based on his Wikipedia page. And he's like, those are on my Wikipedia page. So that, I, I mean, but the, it creating a URL to the New York Times, I thought was That's just like- brilliant. Because it's basically said, well, look at my source right here. And then you look at and it, it's like, and well, it never, look over here. It never like tested the URL to see if it went it's anywhere. The great, it's the great grift. That's um, hilarious. But it probably just assumed that you wouldn't check how many people check their sources, right? Right. So, and then this this came up again when uh, Alex Kantrowitz asked it, who is the CEO of Twitter? Yeah. And it responded with Elon Musk. Which it shouldn't know. Which is problematic because it's only supposed to be have its learning up through 2021. Right. Or so, so they say. So clearly, Alex, clearly it's not So true. Alex pushed it and said, well, wait a minute. Uh, how do you know this? This isn't, this shouldn't be the case. And ChatGPT responded, that it's training data cuts off in 2021 and Elon was not the CEO. So Alex was like, well, then how did you know that it was the CEO? And it just said, 
it was an error on its part, <laughs> <laughs> which is like the great, it's like at that point, it's the Star Wars. These are not your droids. hundred like, percent. I know I told you it was Elon Musk. Turns but out that, I was wrong. That was somebody else I was talking right. to you. That, that was, was not me. No, that was somebody else. That was background noise. <laughs> the guy behind me answered the question. His training data goes to 2022. Oh, uh, okay. So that, I just, the lying I thought was spectacular. And I feel like we could do a segment every week on just lies, like shit chat GPT says, which That's should be my happen. new That's going to happen handle. less and less though. Uh, they will perfect that. Oh, they'll definitely perfect it. I think it'll just be harder to know when it's lying. It's but, impossible but to know now. If you don't know, if you don't well, already yeah, have yeah, external yeah. sources, yeah, exactly. you, don't know. you don't know. That's the, that's the, the only kind of thing, the, the only thing Google has going for it right now, because AI is obviously going to take over the search business. Sure. I mean, who wouldn't want to say, just ask it a totally. question and get the answer for you, you know, displayed for you instead of having a bunch of links to a bunch of documents, some of which may true, be true, some of which may not. Yeah, it yeah. will get better. It will know the answer. Yeah. You know, search ain't great. I'm still, AI will get better, but I think it's gonna be really hard to get it to know the real answer because it's inputs are still a bunch of people writing stuff. Sure. So you can still bias the thing. Just like you can bias search engine optimization. If I want to, if I want Jeff Parker to, to land on my webpage of Jeff Parker, I can, I can tweak the engine to do that. Sure. Right. To a certain extent. But, I, but you can also tell it's it. It's an arms race. You know, you can also tell it. These are credible sources. These things don't tend to be credible sources. And if it gets that information, then it can start to sort out what's yeah. likely to be reality and what's not. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a fun story to watch. That's for sure. Um, the other thing that I thought was pretty fascinating about is that it codes. Albeit pretty poorly, but it codes. Not always poorly. Not always poorly, but for the generally speaking, it's not great yet. Do you follow? Yet. Do you ever listen to This Week in, in Technology, the no, podcast? No. I have uh, a hard time with Jason. They have, uh, they did a little thing where they wanted people to write programs for all the people who were involved in the last pass uh -huh. hack, uh -huh. right? Disembobulation, whatever it was of your data. Yep. And so they had a bunch of people who sent in little versions of programs and one guy sent one and it was literally like a PowerShell script. It wasn't, okay. and, and, but it came out and it was very elegant and it worked great and it did the job and it literally was the best of the bunch. They were very <laughs> excited about it. They wanted to change a few things before they put it on a link to their website. Sure. And so they got in touch with the guy. And said this was a great little piece that you wrote, and the guy said, "Oh, I didn't write this." Yeah, Chat GPT. Chat GPT yeah. wrote. GPT Turns out wrote. Sam Alt Sam Altman owns it. It ain't yeah. mine. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I mean, what I think is most scary about that is you've now enabled one of the scariest classes of people, known as the script kitty. Oh, sure. Like, with like a like a howitzer. Yeah. Because now they can come in things they normally couldn't do because they're not terribly skilled. Right. And then just throw this barrage of attacks at you. All, all the B-grade mal uh, malware, malware authors just turned it into... A-grade. Yeah. I don't know about B-grade. I think the C and the D-grade just turned into A-grade. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, script kitties are always the scary ones to me because it's just brute force, right? And this is like a, a tool to put in their arsenal of brute force. Like yeah, it's this, not, is, yeah, this is huge. So that's going to be interesting. It's getting... So, so it being ChatGPT, it's getting smarter. And faster. Yeah. So uh, it's already really fast. GPT 2 had around 1.2 billion parameters in it, give or take. GPT 3 raised that number three orders of magnitude to about 175 billion. It's anticipated that GTP 4, likely out uh, in the next couple of months, could have over 100 trillion parameters. Right. So another sort of three orders of magnitude. Which by then it'll be much more accurate. And, and when I ask it to write my obituary, even though I haven't lived out those years, I'll be able to read what happened. Yeah, <laughs> totally. A <laughs> hundred trillion sort of parameters is the low estimate for uh, the number of, of neural connections in the human brain. Yeah. Which is kind of fascinating. And, and parameters aren't the only metric. 
to gauge intelligence. You got to worry about training data and and how you train it. But um, I'm down to I'm down to about ten. Yeah, yeah. I blame my kids. Uh, so this was a this was a post from uh, Nick Davidov, a, a VC and a, and a previous sort of serial founder. He equated sort of the, the this next iteration of AI in, in 2023 uh, to an economic shock that will quote likely be similar to the one from COVID, which I thought was a pretty ballsy statement to say that that's the sort of shock you're going to see. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. Seems seems hard to bet against, right? And then you already alluded to this. Uh, Google has viewed this as sort of a code red event. Where I think they're trying to figure out a strategy, which which might be too late, but you can absolutely see this. Well, they have their own. They have their own. Lambda, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A little bit behind, but but still great. Yeah, still pretty. I mean, you know, they an engineer went screaming from the building, yelling, "It's sentient!" (laughs) I did see that. (laughs) That story yelling. That story was incredible. And they fired him, which was probably a good idea. I think. Yeah, (laughs) the guy running out saying it's sentient. Not only is it not sentient, it's a big liar. Yeah, it is. Which (laughs) could be part of why it's sentient. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're going to see this integrated into everything. Right? Uh, Bing like, is, Bing is already putting it in there. I can't wait to see them bring back Microsoft, Microsoft, bring back Clippy. Imagine Clippy with chat GPT behind it. Imagine, where imagine it's like, Clippy just being a know-it-all. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I see you're trying to write a letter to your mother. Let I've me help. Ri- I've written, I've written a letter you. for you. Yeah. Exactly. And you're just like, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't start to feel like Wally at some point. Like, aren't we just... <laughs> Just like just big fat humanoids just sitting in a chair and just doing all the shit for us. <laughs> yes. Push the button. Do you like scrambled eggs ever for breakfast? I used to not like scrambled eggs at all. Why? Why would? Why did you not like? Because I, as a man who cooks, often would always overcook them. And I didn't know that I was overcooking them. You're a good cook. And most people overcook them. I, I agree. Them. And they're dreadful overcooked. Low temp, lots of time. Yeah. That's the yeah, answer. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gordon Ramsay is the guy who, for me, makes some of the best scrambled eggs. I'm not a huge Gordon Ramsay fan. That whole thing on the TV show, yelling and screaming sure. at your subordinates, does good not act. endear me to him. Sure. But- the, it's a nice uh, guy when you meet him, though. Pouring the cream into the eggs to get yeah. the cooking to stop, I yeah, think, is cool absolutely down. genius. Uh J. Kenji Alt Lopez. Do you follow him? No. SeriousEats.com. I take a lot from, from, from Kenji. He, I just last week was reading about this where he's been using playing with cream in a similar fashion, not just to slow it down, but also to get the cream to temp and cook the eggs in the cream, which, oh, I, which I'm actually going to try this next week. Interesting. Not because of the segment, because I was planning to anyway. I, I like the idea of cream as just breaks on cooking. Yeah, exactly. That's it works. such a perfect way to, 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 end, I mean, the, to end the cooking. Chefs say that if the egg, if the scrambled eggs are done in the pan, they're overcooked on the plate. Of course. So you have to pull them early. Of course. Yeah. Um, this is really not, I didn't mean the segment to even be about scrambled eggs necessarily. Well, here we are. But here we are. Um, it's the price of eggs that interested me. Yeah. What happened? 60% increase year on year. Wow. I like, I, I knew something was up when I walked into Costco last week. Yeah. And where the eggs normally sit at my Costco, there were two pallets of egg whites. Sure. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, not, and I'm like, uh, okay, what happened? Clearly something happened. Uh, because egg whites probably, those egg whites are they've probably- sitting around Yeah, they've been around for yeah, a very yeah. long time. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, what happened was, you'd think it was inflation, but inflation last year was only 8%. Only. I, but I'm, I'm going to say some <laughs> things went up, some things went down. Sure. And so you, you get that, that, you know- that mixed effect. Think about um, uh, fresh fruits. They're up 3.4% annually. That's a, that's below 8%. That's a small amount of inflation. Sure. Uncooked ground beef up seven tenths of a percent. 
right? I love these stats. Bacon and related products are down 3.7%. Bacon's gotten cheaper, folks. Bacon has gotten cheaper. Go buy uh, your bacon. Uncooked beef steaks are down 5.4%. Do you know what cooked beef steaks are? Are they up or down? I don't know. Well. Once you add cooking, you change everything. You do change everything. Because suddenly it becomes about the cooking. That's, why, why that's are, the thing with the eggs, though. You take the exact same cost of ingredients yeah. and you put them in the right hands and you get something that's like, you know, absolutely incredible. You put them in the wrong hands and you get something that's inedible. Terrible. Like, I feel like every buffet station I've ever been to. Because the guy's trying to juggle four pans at the same time. Totally. And you, you, if you want to make good scrambled eggs, you have to keep the eggs moving in the and I always, pan. This is also my, my favorite trick. When I ask them, I'd be like, hey, can you make those scrambled eggs a little wet? Meaning, don't overcook them, yeah. right? And what do they do? They overcook them and they ladle raw egg on top. Ooh. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, there, it's wet. And I'm I've like- I've never had that. Oh, yeah. I've seen it before. And I'm like straight to the trash. I do I do uh, uh, lie at sometimes the omelet station. If it's someplace I've been before, someplace I go regularly. Yep. And I say, uh, oh, I want to just like you made them for me last year. They were so perfect last year. You made them, what? you made soft scramble for me, which I love. You kept it moving yep. in the pan the whole time. Oh. You didn't jack up the heat super high on it. So it was cooking at low temperature for a long time. And you're mansplaining eggs and, to them the whole time. And then at the very end, I think you put cream on it or something yeah. to stop the cooking. And they it were was amazing. Just, they were just perfect. You put them on the heat, you take them off the heat and you stir them, stir them. Hey, and you know what? Just, just step aside. Let me do it. The funny thing was the last time I did this, people behind me in the line all said, oh, can I get eggs like that yeah, too? Yeah, sure. Like and that this guy. poor guy who's used to juggling, you know, making yeah. rubber omelets for totally. a time is yeah. now like doing this painstaking, but he's yeah, really sure. popular. Yeah, I bet. He was beloved. And now 20 other people are coming back with that same story every year. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. I'm sure. I'm going to try this at Mastro's next time I go. I want I'm, that steak. I'm sure that's going to go fine. I'm sure it's going to go just fine. By the way, you don't have to do it at Mastro's. The, ma the steaks at Mastro's are excellent. They're delicious. You can just explain to them, I want this thing, you know. Red and warm. So that's a what skilled I veterinarian could still revive it. <laughs> totally. And they'll, they'll give it to you that way. I want to be able to feed it that mice pill and have it come back alive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the avian flu is the reason why the price of eggs went up so high. We, we had devastating avian wow. flu. People had to kill their flocks of chickens to stop wow. the spread of this thing. Yeah. And uh, Calmarine Foods did not have avian flu. And so they've had the most profitable uh, were there, year that they've, that they've ever had. Uh, were there chickens wearing masks? Yes, they have chickens. What it was? They've trained to wear masks. masks and that they was they the distance. secret. They kept, they kept apart? So, hit the button. <laughs> Ikea is the brand that I love to hate. Oh, I love to love it. Why do you love to love it? I, I just, I, I, something aesthetically about that simple design, something yes. about the fact that it is shipped and it's flat I do love pack. the flat packing. I do. Every to time me, I that, open a flat packing. Just, yeah. It speaks to my soul. But then you have to put it together. Right, right. And I got then, a secret for that, by the way. TaskRabbit? Well, TaskRabbit's Wait, hold on. absolutely am, great am choice. Am I the secret? Do you have me come over did and they, push it together? Do they own TaskRabbit? They bought TaskRabbit. They bought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 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 Uh, no, what I was going to say was the secret was you don't just use- the flarm, yeah, the the, the uh, Allen wrench and yeah. the screws, but actually take some carpenter's glue and squirt it I along, do. and it makes all the difference in it the does, world. It does, but it makes it take longer. The process is never short. So here's the problem. We had another rainy weekend here in LA, and what better activity than to go buy some kid-friendly, uh, read cheap furniture at Ikea? It's perfect for your kids, because you're not going to keep it forever. Uh, well, they're going to help uh, assure that. Well, apparently uh, half of LA had the same idea, because yeah. the uh, the Burbank Ikea was full on right. Saturday. And I got ribbed into assembling some bits 
And then it got me wondering what we as humans did to ever deserve the painful love that we all have for Ikea. Something bad. She's, no. an, ab she's an abusive woman. <laughs> it had to be terrible. Or an abusive man. Whatever she is. Whatever gender she is, I presume she's abusive. Every single one of our four listeners, which I think we're up to four listeners now, by the way, uh, have put together at some point in their life Ikea furniture. So here's some interesting things about Ikea, just random yeah. tidbits that I thought would be fun to highlight here. Yes. Uh, Ingvar Kamprad yes. was the guy who started it. And now deceased, I believe. He is. Um, but lived to be like 90 something, yeah. which is impressive. Thank As you. of 2019, they had over 430 stores globally, yeah. which kind of surprised me. That seems like a lot of stores. Because they, and, and the amount of merchandise they move out of each one of those stores. Yes. Your Burbank experience was not unique to rainy weekends. That thing is packed all the, all time. the time. And I think there's three of them in the LA area. No, more than that, right? And they and they just pump they're all out, full. they pump yeah. out the furniture. Yeah. 9,500 products. Yeah. Which seems like a lot. All with unpronounceable names. Uh, unless you're Swedish. J's and umlauts in places where there's no never idea. Be J's it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. A lot of consonants next to each other. Le Cab apparently means yeah. mining. Um, uh, Germany's their biggest market. 16% of their sales all come from Germany, That's which makes a, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. You, I can see the Germans really enjoying putting together furniture. Okay. It does make sense to me. <laughs> uh, they were the most popular furniture retailer in the US in 2019. Uh-huh. Uh, I appreciate that they are aiming to be climate positive by 2030. Right. Which is fascinating when you realize that they consume about 1% of the planet's lumber yeah. every year. Yeah, it's a very, it, for the amount that they that they consume of the Earth's resources, they're a remarkably thoughtful company. Which I mean, you kind of have to be because if you're consuming one percent of the Earth's lumber right. and you're not thoughtful about it, at some point you don't get to do that anymore. Yeah, and, not to mention what happens to the rest of us. Right, five hundred thirty million cubic feet, by the way, a year. That's a lot of lumber. That's a lot of wood. Um, they had about two, almost three billion visits in 2019, which is insane. Uh, how many of those billions were you? Uh, most of them. Uh, they source lumber from 50 different countries. And then this was probably the most interesting thing that I came across. You already touched on this earlier. So some of their acquisitions, they, in 2017, they acquired TaskRabbit, which is basically a way for you to offload your pain to someone else and pay them to put your shit together uh -huh. for you, which is brilliant. But then these ones surprised me. In 2019- Do the TaskRabbits that work for Ikea come with their own set of Allen wrenches? <laughs> I believe they By the do. way, I gave up at one point in my 20s and bought like from Home Depot- the yes. fancy set of all the Allen wrenches that money can buy. Yeah, I have little drivers that go on my ratchets. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. But I do keep all of the Allen wrenches for all of my IKEA products. They're like little badges of honor. I have, I, sw I swear, I have a little bin, a little zipper pouch with all of the wrenches in it from all wow. the IKEA. See, that was my, that was my goal of buying. The, I'm a keeper. It, it, it's like a Swiss Army knife of, of, of Allen sure. wrenches, and that was my entire goal of buying it, so I didn't have to keep all that stuff. Yeah, put a bit in a drill, and it's way better. Right. Uh, so that's 2017, 2019. I didn't know this until I looked this up. They bought a sneaker company. What do they want a sneaker yeah, company Yeah, that's what for? I said. Why do you want a sneaker company? So apparently these guys uh, were the first to use entirely recycled materials in their fabrics. Oh, wow. So I'm guessing they bought it for the process. Yeah. That was a $2.6 billion acquisition. Uh -huh. So they spent real money to go get these guys that make shoes. Uh, and then in 2020, sort they, of- They don't invest stupidly. I mean, no. you, you, you're, you're making jokes and, and, and fun of them, but they actually invest quite smartly. Yeah. So far. Well, in 2020, they bought an AI imaging company called Geomagical based uh -huh. up north. In, and what uh, do they do SF. with that? So that one's a little unclear to me. They, it looked like they do a lot of AR where you can look and see what like furniture would look like inside a room makeup, oh, that's cool. which is kind of cool. And then uh, also 2020, they bought six by six, which I didn't know what this was. It's a mall in San Francisco. I think they're making it offices and they may make it like actual Ikea, maybe a mini store, but they bought a office building. How many million square feet is an IKEA mini, mini store? Those stores are gigantic. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's your whole, it's your whole, 
half of your day at least just to get through the the maze. I try desperately never to go upstairs. And just I waste so much time having those meatballs. Have you ever tried to uh, navigate the shortcuts in the downstairs area? No. They have a little map. You'll see it up on the wall and it has all the stations. It'll be like one through 30 is all the stations in downstairs. Uh-huh. And they draw shortcuts between them. So you can go from like station 30 to station 18, like home organization. Every time I try to navigate it, I get completely fucking lost. And I've got a pretty good sense of navigation. Like I always end up at one point, I just find somebody in a little shirt and I'm like, how do I, how get, do out I get out of here? And I go make two rights and then walk by the thing. Uh, yeah, Ikea. That's all I know. That's very cool. Listen, quick before we go, have you seen or read anything good this week? Yes. Uh, I'd say probably that SBF piece in Puck. Yeah. Um, uh, that was great. Teddy Schlafler's please. A very interesting uh, take into a $20 million house arrest. And then I'm also extremely excited by... Uh, a little piece on Twitter that Corey Doctor wrote for his upcoming book called Red Team Blues, yeah. which is coming out in April. Uh, it's a book about a nearly retired forensic accountant. I know, super exciting. From sort of the Lotus One There's just days. nothing more fascinating know, than forensic, forensic accounting. accounting yes. But what's crazy about this is he wrote this in the summer of last year, and it's about this guy who now is out on a mission to try to help his friend find the keys to a uh, stolen $1 billion worth of crypto. Oh, that's interesting. It feels very timely. Yeah. No, I was going to make fun of you because- you, know, you should. Oh, the fun we have with friends. Forensic accounting. All the big movies that we're going to make about forensic accounting. <laughs> very prophetic. Yeah. Tom, Tom Cruise is the forensic accountant. <laughs> <laughs> the impossible bottom line. All right. I got one. Uh, good night, Oppie. Have you seen this? No. It's on Amazon Prime. You good? have to watch this tonight. It's a, the one about uh, opportunity, right? Opportunity and, yeah. and to a lesser degree, spirit. Yeah. But, but the fun thing was that it was sent up to Mars with a 90-day mission. And they hoped it would last the, the 90 days. They, yeah. yeah. And and it ended up surviving for 15 well, it's years. It's like Voyager just won't die. Yeah. It's going to be a sad day when either of the Voyagers die, which they're really close, apparently. Oh, sad day. Yeah. Wait till you see Oppie die oh, in the really? movie. It's. Oh. It's the most sweet, lovable, incredible, moving experience. It is. You have to see this Was Opportunity movie. the one who like, during its death spiral, the wheel got stuck? No, that, that I was, think that, that, that was- Spirit or Pathfinder? Well, Spirit, that definitely happened to, Oppie had happened to later that the wheels, the literally the parts just started yeah, yeah. wearing out. Yeah. You know, you, the tire is only good for so sure. many, so many ro- rotations on the ground. Yeah. And, and so that does happen. Sure. That absolutely does happen. It was fun if you, I don't know if you were a fan of, of NASA- when these things were on Mars, they would start their morning broadcast. You know, they play a song at the very mm-hmm. beginning, and then they would start their broadcast by saying, um, they call them souls, not days, but they would say, uh, this is, you know, day 4,011 of of uh, Opportunity's 90-day mission. <laughs> Just slightly over-delivered. Yeah. I mean, same thing with James Webb, right? They got a great trajectory to Lagrange, too. So I think their, their target was like a 10-year mission, and they should totally exceed that, which yeah. is great. Pretty really cool. cool. The yeah. stuff the stuff we're doing in, in by the way, uh, uh, slinging meat at Mars is a silly idea. Terrible idea. I'm a huge fan of space of space exploration in general, but we're really good at telepresence. Yeah. Let's just do that. <laughs> we just zoom. Yeah, that's uh, that's fine. Also, can phone we it in? Literally, can we phone fix it in. this planet before we go fuck up another one? <laughs> Would that be okay? We're not even going to get to another one. Oh Christ! Um, that was the funniest tweet that when when uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter and just really screwed it up left and right. Somebody tweeted and said, we're not going to Mars. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the episode. Thank you for joining us for this uh, nonsense, a truly dreadful podcast from the terrible company. I'm CJ Little. I'm Jeff Parker. If you like this program, follow, download, subscribe, and like at Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast from. And special thanks to our floor director, Ron Niv. We'll be here every Wednesday morning for more nonsense. Please join us. <laughs>